0: So, um, we have this list. I was thinking maybe Monday morning we could Jesus read the Christ. names into the record as a way of saying, a way of saying that, what, really? that whatever we're facing, you know, it's peanuts compared you know, to what he's these He's the one who's gonna sentence us. The judge gets to decide what we're facing. It is a goddamn trial. Political trial. No, we were arrested for, the law doesn't recognize political no, trials. No, no, we weren't arrested. We were chosen. Welcome back Oscar fans, this is Jake You're listening to the OCC, the Oscar Category Completist, where today I am covering Aaron Sorkin's new movie available on Netflix as of Friday, The Trial of the Chicago 7. This has been a highly anticipated film all year. The writer of A Few Good Men and The Social Network and The West Wing's take on the famous political show trial of initially 8 and then 7 anti-Vietnam War organizers uh, who were charged with conspiracy to incite riots at the 1968 Democratic National Convention. This is a movie I expect to be all over this year's list of Oscar nominees, from screenplay to picture. You could envision this being a, a 9 to 11 nominee affair, and you could envision four to five of those perhaps being from the acting branch. And so Today I'm primarily going to try and sort through how the acting branch might try to handle an ensemble that has 10 to 12 significant performances across categories. Before I get to that, just quickly talking about Aaron Sorkin. So obviously, he's one of the most lauded screenwriters of his generation. He's worked with many of the best filmmakers from Rob Reiner to Danny Boyle to David Fincher. His directorial debut was only a few years ago um, with Molly's Game, which was the adaptation of the memoir of Molly Bloom, the former Olympic athlete who was arrested uh, as part of a gambling ring. That movie, Sorkin, was actually nominated for screenplay, even though it was his first effort as a director. It's, I think, a, a pretty good movie, but you can definitely see elements of Sorkin being handed the keys to the full car for the first time and some of the directorial choices don't necessarily get the most out of his script in the same way that uh, you know a david fincher is able to in the social network which is is to be expected trial of the chicago seven was actually intended to be a steven spielberg film from from the earliest days of its conception but ended up being the second directorial effort for sorkin and i think he has taken major steps forward in terms of the artfulness of how he has put together his own script. You know, this is, of course, a Netflix film, and I think a lot of the times when we talk about the great movie-making personalities at Netflix, they're given kind of carte blanche, and sometimes the lack of those guardrails can diminish the product. You know, I think about Spike Lee's The Five Bloods that we talked about earlier this year. Definitely not one of Spike's better, better movies, and it seems like he just sort of almost got to do too much and and wasn't really checked this movie is is really movie theater sorkin i mean it's it's tight it's really well paced it ebbs and flows from climax to courtroom conversation really naturally he does a nice job intersplicing both recreations and actual footage from the riots into the thread of a courtroom drama so I think there's a lot to recommend this movie just as a movie. I found it to be really entertaining, really solid, and, and well put together, and, and I and I enjoyed it. But I think there's no question that it's driven primarily by its performances, and so I'm going to try to quickly go through eight relevant performances in order of, I'd say, I guess their likelihood slash my own opinion of their deservedness to be nominated and or win come Oscar time and like I'm doing as I cover kind of these relevant movies as they come out I'm going to try to avoid cross-comparing categories with other movies once the nominations come out once it gets a little bit closer that's when I'll start to look across categories and see how I think the Individual races are shaping up. For now, I'm just going to stay within the universe of the Trial of the Chicago Seven, um, and and take a look at how the different performances stack up within this movie. And so, with that, I, I think for me the the clear favorite here is Sasha Baron Cohen. I think that of all the performances in the movie, this is the one that most stuck with me. That I thought was the best performance, Sasha Baron Co- Cohen plays abby hoffman who in the real history of this event was a jokester is a bit reductive but was the guy who had memorable lines who had this larger than life personality and so accordingly sasha baron cohen in this movie gets the best lines the laugh lines and he is really funny and it's i think a really sharp piece of casting that parlays into a, an actual absolutely exceptional performance. He's definitely representing the more aggressive, progressive approach to protesting. More interested in shaking and disrupting the status quo, and he's given an opportunity um, throughout the movie. Both, you know, you see him in how he conducts himself throughout the trial, and in kind of backroom scenes in between trial days with the other defendants but he also gets the opportunity to have kind of this ongoing motif where he's speaking in almost like a stand-up comedy type of setup to um to a group of people and sort of giving filling in the contexts of the events through his perspective um and so it's i think it's probably the best written role or at least one of the best written roles in the movie I think Baron Cohen does a really excellent job of, of balancing the funniness of, of this character, which you might expect based on who Baron Cohen is, with the deeper-seated purpose and true North belief system that's, that's driving the way that he approaches his protesting and, and how that leads into the events of this, into the events being litigated in this movie. Now, this is one when I watched it, to me, like I walked away thinking that he was squarely in supporting, that he would be running as a supporting actor. I could see this one, though, going either way. I think he's probably where this all kind of hinges, because if he runs in supporting and Eddie Redmayne, who we'll talk about next, runs in leading, That pretty much means that Eddie Redmayne is leading and everybody else is supporting. And when you're talking about eight people, that maybe gives the opportunity for one more person to be nominated. But it probably caps this movie at three nominees. If Sasha Baron Cohen runs in leading and Eddie Redmayne runs in leading then you have the opportunity to try to maybe get two in supporting as well and and bring this up to four nominees. And I guess really in in a stretch, you could even look at three supportings and get up to five, which I don't think they're going to have that many. So I I could definitely see from Netflix perspective, the value of running Sasha Baron Cohen in leading, although that becomes obviously a a much harder race. And I, I guess I say obviously, just in that the best actor is one of the most competitive categories year in and year out and I think this year there is one performance in particular that I think has been tabbed by a lot of people as sort of an inevitable best actor win and it's a movie that I got to see the film festival that I really love and that I will talk about um, in full on a later episode so I won't get into it here but Sasha Baron Cohen running in best actor will probably mean he has a lesser chance of winning than if he ran in best supporting actor where i think he might have a decent chance of winning and so that calculation is going to come down to i guess is netflix chasing the most possible nominations in which case running cohen in, in leading is probably the way to go to to give you a chance to get more of your other ensemble into supporting Or are they chasing a win, in which case it probably makes more sense to run Cohen in supporting where he, I think, would have a very decent chance of winning? And that's what I'm going to assume they'll ultimately end up doing, running him in supporting. And so then the only question, I guess, is does anything hurt him outside of the context of this movie? You know, I remember last year... Jennifer Lopez was a pretty heavy favorite to get a nomination for her work in Hustlers and she ended up being snubbed totally by the Academy part of that was just kind of the Academy being the Academy they ended up giving that um, nomination to Kathy Bates who I did not think was one of the four best performances in Richard Jewell but she's Kathy Bates she has a long history with the Academy she's blindly respected by that body where you almost don't even have to see the movie, and if you hear that she's in something, you know she's she's likely to get a nomination and that kind of one out. But there was also kind of some belief that some of J Lo's activities outside of Hustlers, and I think probably most prominently the fact that she was playing the Super Bowl halftime show. It kind of undermined her seriousness as an actress in the eyes of some of the voters. Again, that's not, I I have no inside sources at the Academy. Um, it's, It's just kind of the coverage of this race last year implied that. And so if you were to assume that a similar dynamic could carry over into this year, or could, I guess, just still exist within the voting body, then, you know, in a couple weeks, Sasha Baron Cohen has a new Borat movie coming out on Amazon, which is interesting timing in of itself. I mean, I think Borat, it was a distinct cultural moment back in, what, 2005 or 2006. I was in college, everybody was imitating the Borat voice as part of a broadly accepted and shared monoculture. I don't know if that works in 2020. I mean, obviously, I guess I'll have to see the new Borat movie. It it just feels like distinctly something from another time. But it's also obviously very silly, very vulgar. Now, the, the irony is that, of course, the first Borat movie was nominated for an Oscar in the screenplay category. But I don't know. I, I could see a world in which the focus on Sasha Baron Cohen as Borat sort of undermines the seriousness of Sasha Baron Cohen as Abby Hoffman and and hurts his chances and and turns him into a snub. I don't know. To me, this was the best performance in the movie and I think clearly deserving of an Oscar. I would probably run him strategically. I think I would run him in in supporting to give him a chance to win. I, I also think that he is supporting. I think that this sort of the center of gravity on in this movie in terms of the perspective is Eddie Redmayne's character. But I could see really honest arguments on both sides. I, I could see a, a, a fair argument that Cohen is a co-lead here. I can also see a very fair argument that he's supporting. I, I don't think it's going to be category fraud either way. But Sasha Baron Cohen, I think, is the performance of the movie. Eddie Redmayne is the lead. I think that he's the only character, he's the only performance in this movie that is clearly going to be run in in leading. It's not that he has more lines necessarily than any of the other characters, but this movie centers on, on him as the core protagonist. He plays Tom Hayden, who obviously ended up being an elected official, marrying Jane Fonda. And I think what makes him kind of the center point of this story is that he is he is one half of the core question that I I read Sorkin to be the most interested in with regards to this movie which is basically does progressive change happen most effectively from outside or inside the system you have Sasha Baron Cohen's character Abby Hoffman who clearly represents that it that it comes from agitating outside of the system and then you have Eddie Redmayne's character Tom Hayden who resents that. He has a, a great speech where Abby Hoffman says, what is it that you don't like about me? And he basically says that when the mass of people in this country think of progressive politics, they think of you. They think of kind of a dirty hippie. And that undermines my ability to make real positive incremental change on the issues that we both claim to, to care about. This question, when you boil it down, is ultimately the core tension in this movie the trial as as you see from the early points is a sham there's no real tension about the trial because we all can see even if you haven't looked up the history or you don't know what actually happened you can tell where it's going from the first notes of the movie the real push and pull here is is this argument between Hayden and Hoffman as to how to advance the core cause of the movie which is Protesting and, and building sentiment against the Vietnam War. That's how this cli- that's where the climax of this movie leads to, and it's why Haydn's worldview centers the story and makes him the main character. It is kind of a traditional Hollywood angle on this that Sorkin's taking in terms of kind of equating being a moderate or being less of an activist with being the audience avatar. And, you know, I, I can't speak to whether that assumption is correct or not, but that's definitely the tack that, that Sorkin takes in writing the script. But Redmayne's very good in, in this role. Even though he's positioned as a defendant who has probably the most stable and, and controlled and pragmatic approach to anti-war activism, he also plays it with this intensity that seems like he's about to burst, that he's sort of teetering on the edge of just totally losing it. And it's a really well-played performance. Redmayne obviously has been kind of an Oscar darling. He won for The Theory of Everything. He was nominated for The Danish Girl. He would seem like a pretty safe bet to get a nomination in leading. Now, what's going to be interesting is if Sasha Byron Cohen does end up running and leading, maybe both of them will get nominations. If they have to choose one, I would choose Cohen. I'm pretty sure the Academy would choose Redmayne. We'll see how that plays out. But those are kind of your top two characters. Those are probably your top two prospective nominees in terms of likelihood. The rest of the ensemble is all supporting. There's nobody else in the ensemble that would have any claim to a leading nomination. It's basically complete personal opinion in terms of how those rack and stack the rest of the way. So I think my next most likely, in in my view, is Mark Rylance. He plays William Kunstler, the lawyer um, defending the the Chicago 7. He's been nominated before for Bridge of Spies, and he won – he's really good in this. He he plays kind of both at the same time disheveled, but competent um, as a lawyer. You can kind of tell without it ever being said that he is being driven by true morality, that he's defending what he thinks is, is right. It's arguable, I guess, how effective he is. Ultimately, everything is, is kind of stacked against him. And I think in you know, if this was just a Hollywood movie, if this wasn't the recitation of true events, he would be the scrappy lawyer who finds a way to win in spite of everything being stacked against him. Obviously, though, that's not how this all played out. And so ultimately kind of what is all his pluck really lead to is hard to say. But but his performance is good. I think that he'd probably be my next in line in terms of a supporting nomination. Frank Langella on the other side of that uh, plays... Judge Hoffman, who's almost cartoonishly the villain in this movie, but the, the way that he approached this trial, the way that you see it in the movie, matches and mirrors what what actually happened. He almost makes, I think, more of an effort to feign impartialness in the script than he appeared to have really done in the actual events. Langella, though, is very effective, I think, in playing that veneered evil character here. He's a decorated stage actor, but he has had an Oscar nomination too. He played Richard Nixon in Frost Nixon and was nominated for that. I'd probably put him next. I think a lot of people would put next Yahya Abdul Mateen II, um, who plays Bobby Seale. Bobby Seale was one of the eight defendants initially in this trial. He was a member of the Black Panthers. One of the most embarrassing things to happen in an American courtroom in the history of our country was he was bound and gagged um, at the direction of the judge and then subsequently that resulted in a mistrial and he was removed from the group of defendants because of that he's in the movie for the first part of it and then there's a mistrial and then he's not really in the movie anymore and so for me that kind of hurts him in terms of his nomination because he just isn't in the whole movie the way that these other characters are that said i think that if you have seen Yahya Abdul-Mateen in other works i I think notably he was in the HBO series Watchmen without spoiling that series here he plays a character who ends up being a very significant character he's in the upcoming Candyman movie that's from Nia DaCosta that's been pushed out to next year and when you see him portrayed in those movies and then you watch him here, you see some really great range. I mean he does not – he's almost unrecognizable. I actually didn't even I, – I knew going into the movie that he was in the movie. But I kind of forgot and I didn't even recognize who he was as an actor until after because he really – he's very good in this. Um, and I think that there's – I think there – I would not be surprised at all to see him score a supporting nomination – I also wouldn't be surprised not to see him just uh, on the kind of depth chart here of relevant performances. I I put him fourth or fifth. I think he's probably interchangeable with with Frank Langella. And then the other performances um, that are worth mentioning, you have Jeremy Strong, probably best known for Succession, but he's been in many, many movies from from Zero Dark Thirty to The Big Short uh, to Molly's Game. He's kind of the sidekick for, for Abby Hoffman um, for Sasha Baron Cohen's character. and he has some, some moments too. I think he putting him next to Sasha Baron Cohen, who's so charismatic and who, and who has so many big moments and lines within the movie, it, it kind of shrinks his performance a little bit. It, it's just harder to stand out, I think, just because of his proximity to Cohen. So um, for that reason, I, I don't really see him as a competitor. and just given how many people are in this movie, you have to cut it off somewhere I struggle to see him um, same with John Carroll Lynch who plays David Dellinger um, who's probably the most mature and and serious of the defendants. He's a boy Scout leader and he's got a family and he's older. He does get one really big moment in this movie, but um i don't I don't really see him. Being competitive, and then I guess lastly, without I won't ruin anything as much as you can ruin a movie about true events. But there is a really big surprise cameo in this movie that's excellent, um, that's a real highlight of the movie. And so I've heard some people talk about about this person, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ruin who it is, but it's he plays the attorney, the former attorney general, who gets to come in and have a big deposition. And there's been some talk about you know could that be. Oscar-worthy, but it's just too short. He's barely in the movie. It's it's probably less than five minutes of screen time. So, And then I guess I haven't even talked about Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who plays Richard Schultz, one of the lawyers on the prosecution for the Justice Department. He's got a very interesting role here. It doesn't even really seem to be historically accurate from what I've read, but he plays it as a very conflicted representative of the government who's pursuing these charges as part of what he's been told to do, but who may have beliefs that actually align a little bit more with the defendants. I think Gordon Levitt is really solid in this. He's a great actor. I think he's solid in almost everything he does. It's the opposite of showy. He plays it as a very as very much a bureaucrat and because of that and because he's up against all these other showy performances, I really don't see him breaking through at all here when it comes to the Oscar conversation, but he's a noteworthy performer, it's worthy to note his role within this movie, um, but I don't see him ultimately getting nominated. Um, I think ultimately with this, you're looking at Sasha Baron Cohen as kind of the key to all of it in terms of whether he runs in supporting or in leading. You then have Eddie Redman, who'll certainly run in leading and I think will probably be nominated. And then some mix of Mark Rylance, Frank Langella, and Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, probably vying for a total of four nominations across the whole ensemble. And then on top of that, you know, expect to see this in writing, expect to see it in picture. And I I think that this is going to be a highly relevant Oscar movie. And I, I liked it a lot. I recommend it. So it's on Netflix right now, The Trial of the Chicago 7. That's it for today. Hope you enjoyed it. Have a great week. and Thanks for tuning in.